one of the uh, industries that's been impacted greatly over the course of this virus pandemic is the entertainment industry. Uh, TV shows, movies, all of that, and had to shift around, and even this week's been a lot of movement with movies that were supposed to come out getting delayed, some getting delayed a full year, some getting delayed certain parts, and another part of that strategy is that sometimes they've just released them to kind of rent online. And, you know, our family did that with a couple of movies that came out. Of course, it was cheaper for us because for our family of six to go to a movie, it's like $120 or so. And so when you pay $20 at home to watch Trolls, it's, you know, it's nice. And we did that and we, we uh, you know, watched it for 48 hours, I think, straight so that we got our money's worth and all that. And so this week, I don't know if you saw... But they've announced that another movie is coming directly to be able to rent like that for your pleasure. And some of you are, um, I know, so excited about this because it's the third in a trilogy of movies that has been history altering. It is Bill and Ted Face the Music. The third in Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure and Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey is going to have a third, a trilogy that no one asked for is happening, right? How many of you you know who Bill and Ted are? Excellent, excellent. You'll get that, all right? How many of you have no idea who Bill and Ted are? All right, in the Keanu Reeves Renaissance, that was one of Keanu's first big hits. But anyways, it's a time-traveling movie, kind of, all right? And so I got me thinking as I saw that news and was thinking about what today we're doing. I thought, where would you go if you could go? Like in time. And then I got to thinking a little more specific. And so if you could jump in your Bill and Ted phone booth or the TARDIS or hit 88 in the DeLorean or use the Tom Stone. I think I got all the nerd uh, uh, time travel references there. Right? If you could time travel and could drop into any moment In the ministry of Jesus. Okay, and so let's take out the beginning and the end. So everybody go love to see the baby Jesus in the manger. We're not going to do that. And we're going to take out the crucifixion and the resurrection. Let's talk about the ministry of Jesus. If you could parachute in, if you could time travel in and be a fly on the wall and watch from a distance, what moment would you want to parachute into? What moment would you want to see? Walking on the water over here, we got that? What was that? Lazarus, alright? So Lazarus come forth, that moment, alright? Anybody else? That's it, those are the two. Not anything else? What did you, you say, Danny? Feeding the 5,000, right? He pulls out a kid's Lunchable and suddenly they're Lunchables for everybody, right? With 12 left over. So wouldn't it be cool, like, to drop into those moments and just think about it? I mean, you think about, like, for instance, the walking on water. Like, what I think is so amazing about that story is we don't have any, we don't have any kind of discussion about when he started walking on water or how he started walking on water. We don't know if he was, he tells us he was tending to the crowds. And so we don't know that as he's finished tending to the crowds and they're kind of, all right, we're leaving. Jesus says, all right, I'll see you. And he just starts walking on the water away from them, right? And he had to start somehow. There would probably be somebody watching. We just know that he shows up at the boat and they're scared. Or Lazarus, that moment when they're weeping and crying and he just comes out and says, come on, get up, Lazarus, let's go. Like, I have a harder time looking my teenagers up than Jesus did 
right? Resurrecting someone who was dead. Or just the way he healed. Can you imagine how different your life group, um, back when we met in person all the time with life groups, you imagine how different it would be if you said, hey, i got a prayer concern and this is... This is what's going on in my, my life and physically. I'm just not well here and I need to be made well. And instead of in the class us going, well, let's pray about that. We just went, you're not sick anymore. And you're not, right? Because that's what Jesus did. Just amazing stuff. Or the demons. Like he cast out demons and it wasn't like it was a fight. Like they cowered in fear. When Jesus would go up to demons, when someone possessed by a demon, they would go, whoa, whoa, wait, wait, Jesus, don't do it. You know, like in movies, if you ever watch those kind of movies, if a priest or a preacher walks into a place where demon possession has happened, it ain't going to end well for the preacher. The heads are spinning around, stuff's flying out. But when Jesus comes, he's just like, out. And they are. You know what's fascinating to me about that as I was thinking through all those kind of moments? Is not once do we have recorded anywhere in Scripture where the disciples at those moments, that were there in those moments, we don't have any moment that we have in Scripture when the disciples asked Jesus, Hey Jesus, can you teach us to do that? Hey, hey, can you can you teach us how to walk on water? Now, Peter did, but he didn't ask Jesus to teach him how. He just did, right? Can, can you teach us how to do those sort of things? We don't have that anywhere in Scripture. And this is a little bit of an argument from silence because we don't have that. Perhaps they did. Maybe they did. But it's not recorded for us in Scripture. So apparently it wasn't important for Jesus to teach them the mechanics of how that happened. But we do have an instance where the disciples do see Jesus doing something and they specifically ask if he can teach them how to do that. In Luke 11.1, 1, which is the corollary passage to where we are in Matthew. In Luke chapter 11, verse 1, it says, He was praying in a certain place, and when finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. In fact, the original language, the phrase there almost says, Lord, teach us now, now to pray. Like, how do we do that? And I just find it interesting, and again, this is a little bit of argument from silence, this isn't in Scripture, that nowhere do we have them saying, Gee, Lord, teach us how to do this or how to do that when it comes to miraculous nature. But they do say, Lord, teach us how to pray. And as I thought through that, there were a couple of reasons I think they wanted to know how to pray here in this moment. This is in the, like I said, the, the complimentary passage to what we have in Matthew. The reason that I think they're asking that, first of all, is Jesus made it look accessible. Listen, when you watch somebody walk on water, there is nothing inside of me that says, I think if I worked hard enough, I could do that. Right? When you see him cast out demons, there's no part of me that's like, I think I'm, I think I could get that down. But they watched him pray, and whatever it was, however he prayed, and we know from Scripture, he prayed a lot. He withdrew a lot to pray. He prayed in front of them. He prayed around them. He prayed for them. He prayed with them. We know that he prayed all the time. And what we know from that, what it seems to be here, is they thought we can learn how to do that. And we talked about this a little bit last week. We'll talk about it just a little bit more in a few minutes. But the idea there is that you're looking at them and you're saying to them, listen, it's not some complicated thing that you have to figure out. There's no master's level praying. 
It's just simple and direct and straightforward. But here's the second and I think the most vital reason they ask him for prayer. And that is because they realized that what Jesus did for God was directly tied to the time he spent with God. That what Jesus did for God, the healings, the the exorcisms, the walking on water, the feeding the 5,000, that those things that he did for God were directly tied to the time he spent with God. It's a concept that an ancient writer, Augustine of Hippo, wrote was about the witness of God's people with their God, that we should be with God. And he called it the witness. Now, what he basically said is it's impossible to do life effectively for God without doing life with God. And there are lots of ways that you can be with God. There's fasting and solitude and Sabbath and worship. But perhaps the most important, the simplest and yet most difficult is what we're going to talk about today. Which is the practice of prayer. Take your Bibles, turn, if you haven't already, to Matthew chapter 6. I know we kind of jumped at Luke there for a minute, but we're coming back to Matthew chapter 6. And today we're going to look specifically, again, at the simplicity of prayer, but then we're going to walk through the model prayer that Jesus gives us and to help us to understand a little bit of how that should impact our own prayer life. Now my guess is that what I just revealed to you, none of that is earth-shattering news. The number you were like, wow, I can't believe he's going to tell us that prayer is important. And yet, when you look at study after study and survey after survey, and my guess is if I ask here in this place for people to raise their hands, and we were honest, and I asked the question, how many of you would like to have a more consistent and more powerful prayer life? It would be almost unanimous, even among people who claim and who are trying to follow Jesus. And one of the reasons that I do think that we have lacked to see some of the effective power that comes in the life of Christians demonstrated in our day and our time is that we have lost how we are with God in prayer. And if we could learn to pray, the power would follow. That's what the disciples believed, I think. That's why they asked him, hey, could you just teach us how to pray? Because they saw that if they could learn how to pray like Jesus prayed, then the miracles, the things that came out of that would happen in their lives. And we have evidence of that in a couple of ways. First of all, we have positive evidence in the book of Acts when these same disciples who couldn't get it together in the, in the Gospels, Right? You realize that they always are putting their foot in their mouth. They're stumbling over themselves. They're asking the wrong questions. They can't get it done. We're going to talk in a moment about a time when they couldn't cast out a demon. And they were asked why. We see those same disciples in the New Testament. People are just getting around them and getting healed. Right? And Some of the same miracles that we see performed in the Jesus Gospels we see performed by these disciples in Acts. Why, how? Because they learned how to be with God and to receive that power. 
in a negative way, in the Gospels, we see that this proof is there because in Mark chapter 9, they try to cast out demons. We know this because a man comes to Jesus and said, hey, can you cast this demon out of my child? Because we, I I've called to your disciples and they can't do it. And Jesus cast him out. And the disciples says, after he gone into the house, the disciples say, why couldn't we drive it out? Why couldn't we do it? What were we doing wrong? Now, this is the only place in Scripture when you might say, well, they're asking how to drive out demons. But they're just like, we, we couldn't do it, Jesus. And Jesus says what? This kind can only come out by prayer. Some versions add fasting to that. But the point is, it's the inner life. One of the things that I've noticed in some recent uh, modern worship songs that are out is there's this growing kind of um, description of the power that flows in and through the life of a Christian. And biblically, it's there. The book of Ephesians tells us that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is available for those of us that are followers of Jesus. And yet those of us that are Christians often say that I don't, but I don't feel that. There's a line in uh, a, a new song that I, I really like the line. And the line is, resurrection power runs in my veins too. It's a powerful line. Think about that the power that Christ used. It's a song called Rattle about raising up um, the dry bones and raising up Jesus and raising up lives. Like, like those, that power we have because we're followers of Christ. But the reality that we experience often is that we do not access or feel that power. And that's because we only get power to do things for God when we have spent time with God. Matthew chapter 6, Jesus gives a master class in prayer in just a few words. And the first thing he does is something we learned last week. We talked last week in a, in a general sense, but I want to talk specifically just for a moment about prayer. And it comes starting in Matthew chapter 6, verse 5. And whenever you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites because they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by people. Truly, I tell you, they have their reward. But when you pray, go into your private room, shut your door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. When you pray, don't babble like the Gentiles since they imagine they'll be heard for their many words. Don't be like them because your father knows the things you need before you ask. The first thing I want to remind us of, the first thing I want us to get in our mind when it comes to prayer, is something I've always kind of, already kind of referenced is that when we pray, that we just come to the Father in simplicity and straightforwardness with who we are and what we have. How should we pray, people ask. What, what does it look like to pray? And the reality is we just simply tell God what's on our heart and on our mind and what we would love to see happen in the simplicity of who we are and what we say. There was a monk several years ago named Brother Lawrence, and he wrote a book about practicing the presence, and his whole lifestyle was that he wanted to practice the presence of Jesus and whatever he was doing. And he was a monk who was doing menial tasks around the monastery. In fact, he was in charge of doing dishes and raking the grounds. 
so he was like, as long as I'm doing these dishes, as long as I'm washing them, as long as I'm getting them done, I'm going to spend that time focused on Jesus, focusing my life, asking Christ to be with me in that moment, to realize his presence there. As long as I'm raking the grounds, I'm going to pray and ask Jesus to be a part of that. And when he talked about what he did in that way, he said this. He said, we ought to act with God in the greatest simplicity, speaking to him frankly and plainly, and imploring his assistance in our affairs just as they happen. That's obviously not how we exactly talk today. But he says, just come with simplicity. Speak frankly with the Lord. Tell him what's on your heart. If we took some of the prayers from the Bible and we put them into your prayer group and your small group and your family, we would be uncomfortable with some of what happens because of the frankness of the prayers. For David's prayers, when he's like, God, how long are you going to let this happen? God, you need to do something about this. When Moses rebukes the Lord, like if somebody in your prayer group started rebuking the Lord, you would scoot your chair a little farther away. Amen? Right? I don't know about that. We're going to have to. And afterwards, you might do some doctrinal correction. Like, you, I don't know that you need to be praying what you pray. But in the Bible, people just pray what they feel and what they actually think. They're not trying to impress God. Have you ever thought that's the most ridiculous thing to imagine? is to try to be somebody before God that you're not. Because if anybody knows you, it's God. Amen? So just be in simplicity. That's what he said. Or one pastor shortened the Brother Lawrence quote to something that's a little more direct, and he said, basically, pray what you got. Whatever it is, you just pray that. And know that the Lord is not up there with a grading system Grading your prayers. He's like, oh, you didn't use the right word there. You, you, mis, you mispronounced a word. Can't, can't do anything about that, right? No, and we bring in whatever we've got. As elementary as it may be, as sophisticated as it may be, you just bring in what you have. Think about... You know, we have four kids. Susan and I celebrated our 22nd wedding anniversary yesterday. And uh, we, uh, yeah, that's good. That's good. Uh, We have four kids, and all four of our kids, as they were growing up, when they were young, they would mispronounce words or put words in sentences that didn't belong in sentences. Parents, you know what I'm talking about, right? And we didn't look at them and go, come on, get that right. Straighten that up. Like You're like... Oh, that's cute, right? Type. I remember saying, Susan, we need to write this stuff down because we're going to forget it. And I tried to think of some right now, and I've forgotten them all, and we didn't write them down. So, But you know what I mean, like kids say. So when I was growing up, when I was a kid, um, I had a problem pronouncing my L's, which is a problem when your name is Lyle Larson, right? That's problematic. I pronounced all my L's as W's for a while, and apparently was very proud of my name. I would tell people all the time, my name is Wapatch Wasson. Like, I just said it. Now, and my mom and dad didn't get mad about that. Like, how long, oh Lord, is that going to happen? Like, it was cute, right? There may be some times we come to the Lord and we're like a child that can't pronounce his L's. And the Lord's not up there like, hmm. He's just enthralled with the fact that we are spending time in his presence. Jesus, there's no elementary, there's no, there's no master's level praying. It's just prayer. Just pray what you got, whatever that is.
And then in verse 9, he starts to give us some specific things to pray. And here's what I hope to do today, because my guess is, I mean, we shouldn't probably even have to put these verses on the screen, because most of us in this room could start with, our, in fact, if I just said our Father and stop, you could finish it almost. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. The biggest debate we had growing up was whether it was trespasses or debts. Right? Are you a trespasses or debts Lord's Prayer guy? But I want to take it today and say, okay, so what does that look like? How does that translate to our lives? Starting in verse 9, he does say, Therefore, this is Jesus, you should pray like this. Our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive others their offenses, your heavenly Father will forgive you as well. But if you don't forgive others, your Father will not forgive your offenses. Now, verses 14 and 15 are really a commentary on verse 12, which is kind of a strange arrangement. But we're going to take those requests that are in the midst of that. And I want to give you just kind of some quick points for you to think about as you're praying. And the first one is this. Priority overall. When you pray, what you need to pray for first is that God's glory would rise above everything else. That's there. It's front and center for a purpose Our Father. Now realize realize that is a relationship word. It means that you have come into a relationship with God. That you are child to Father. It was an intimate term that Jesus used in His prayers that they normally didn't use in prayers. It was the term of Daddy or I want to be near you. I want to be around you. I want to be in your presence, Dad. So it is a relationship-based prayer. And he says the first request that comes directly out of that is make your name hallowed. Hallowed be your name. Honored as holy as it says in this translation of the Christian Standard Bible. The first concern of our prayer is the greatness of our God to be known throughout the earth. We don't rush to anything else before we say, God, let people know how great you are. Let people know how good you are. Let people know of your great love, of your great mercy, of your great justice, of your great holiness, of your greatness. There is no one like you. There is no God like our God. You are above all gods. You sit high and lifted, mighty and strong above the nations. You rule and you say whatever happens. Isaiah 26 says, my life verse, I use it all the time, but it is here that it says, Yes, Lord, walking in the ways of your truth, we wait for you. For your name and your renown are the desire of our souls. Your glory is what we want more than anything. For people to know how awesome and great and mighty you are. The, the, the literal words there in Isaiah 26, 8 is that there is this reverberating sound that is rising among the earth declaring the glory of God. And I'm glad to have some sports back. I've watched all nine innings of my Cardinals' first two wins over Casey and Chris Scheide's Pirates, and I'm excited about that. We're going all the way 60-0, 60-0 this year. But it's weird, right? Why is it weird? There's nobody there. 
And they pipe in crowd noise. And it sometimes matches and sometimes doesn't. They've got the, you know, I don't know if you've seen some of the stadiums that put cardboard cutouts, right? Is yours in Houston yet? Are you, you, you already bought Okay, y'all look for Ben in Houston. All right. Astros. So they're there. I don't know if you saw yesterday, somebody hit a home run. Atlanta Brave hit a home run. And they had people's dogs cardboard cut out in the back. And it like flat hit the dogs cut out right in the face. It was kind of, kind of awesome. But it's just weird because part of that sporting experience, part of it is being there or experiencing, even watching TV, as people naturally react to something amazing that happens in a crescendo of noise that rises. And the claim of like, man, I was a part of that. The picture that we have here is that we're praying, God, we pray that over history as it continues towards that moment when you're coming again Lord we pray that that rising crescendo of the glory of your name would continue to rise and rise and rise and make me a part of that you can put that even into the prayers on the back end when you're praying for things by simply adding the so that clause to it Lord and I am praying I'm praying that the Lord ends this pandemic I pray it goes away. I believe that God can. But I'm praying not that He ends the pandemic just so we're comfortable and just so we don't have to worry about it, so we don't have to worry about masks anymore. But I'm praying that He ends the pandemic so that people would understand and that He would do it in a way that would be miraculous, that people would see how great of a God He is. When you look throughout Scripture, that was the purpose and the ten plagues that are sent on Egypt, it is there that he says that he did that to show that he is superior. Each of those plagues went directly at an Egyptian God and to show that he is the one true God. When the nation of Israel was raised up, it was raised up to show the nations how good God was. And Even when we talked about this last week, when we are called the light of the world, we're called the light of the world. Why? So shine your light before men so that, there's that so that, they may see your good deeds and do what? Give glory to your Father in heaven. Praise God. So the first thing we do when we come into prayer, before we get into our request, before we get into what's going on, we say, Lord, make your name great. And then secondly, we're still focused on his purpose. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth that is in heaven. For us, the way I think that is, we pray for God's kingdom to spread throughout the earth. Too often the prayers of my life, and I would guess the prayers of many of your lives, are focused on and motivated by my desire for comfort or security or ease or relief or some kind of enjoyment. Or it's focused on my friend or my neighbor or my family, my church members, comfort or security or ease or relief. And yet that's not the ultimate purpose of God on this earth. He loves us. He cares for us. But God's ultimate desire for my life is not personal comfort. By Him. That's my goal. His goal is the spread of His kingdom. The rule and reign of His kingdom. And from the moment sin entered the world in Genesis chapter 3, God's purpose has been to and reconcile man back to Himself. 
redeeming, reconciling, restoring, remaking us in the image and the likeness of His Son Jesus is the goal that He has now. And for that to spread throughout the entire world. For every tribe, nation, tongue, and language. For everyone that exists. And we pray, Lord, I pray that Your name would be made great and that Your kingdom would be advanced. There are specific areas that you can pray for your life. Lord, I pray your kingdom will advance in the life of my kids, that they would serve you with their lives, that they would spend their lives devoted to you. Lord, I pray that you would make your kingdom advance in my coworker who does not know you as their savior, in my boss, in my neighbor, in my family member, in my friends. Lord, I pray that your kingdom would be expanded as it goes throughout the earth, that the justice that you bring would expand throughout the earth, that the grace that you bring would expand throughout the earth, that the love that you exhibit would expand throughout the earth. We pray, Lord, for your kingdom, your rule, your reign to go through it all. A few years ago, um, as I was pastoring here, by the way, next weekend is 13-year anniversary of In View of a Call here. And as I was praying a few years ago, I just felt the Lord, I just, these words kept coming to mind. And so you've been around at all or much, you know, I use these all the time. And so Lord, we pray for the glory of your name and for the expansion of your kingdom. We pray, Lord, to glorify your name and to extend your kingdom. Because that to me, according to scripture and according to the first two requests of this prayer, is our goal and our purpose. Lord, make your name great and extend your rule and reign on this earth. And then we get to the personal kind of request that give us the ability to do our part in that. So those are the purposes. Those are the goals. Lord, I want your name glorified. I want your kingdom advanced. Now here's what I need. This is what I'm admitting. This is what I'm saying that I need to make that happen in my life. First thing is we affirm our dependence on God. Give us today our daily bread. Give us today our daily bread. We affirm our daily dependence on God. Now for a Jewish audience that were listening to Jesus, the first thing they would have thought of when they heard daily bread was something that happened in the wilderness to the nation of Israel when they would wake up every morning and their food would be supplied. Right? What did they call that? Manna, right? And it was daily. If you remember that story, if they got up, they got up in the morning, food was there for the day. They'd take it in, they'd eat it that day for, you know, morning, noon, and night. They'd eat it. And if they tried to save some for the next day, what happened to it? Spoiled. And the purpose of that was what? To teach them. You're going to depend on me every day. Now, on the day before the Sabbath, they would get it and it would last. They would get a double portion and it would last a double. Now, we don't really know what it was. It's probably some sort of type of bread. They didn't know what it was. The name man in its original language literally kind of means what is it? What's for breakfast? What is it? I know, that's what I'm saying. What's for breakfast? It's what is it for breakfast, right? It's like an Abbott and Costello routine. I'm going real old school with some of this, all right? But they was like, every morning they would wake up and it would be there. And it taught them over the years of wandering in the wilderness that they depended on the Lord every day. We live in a society where we ask God sometimes to protect us for the next ten years. 
Notice he doesn't say, hey, pray for a nest egg. A golden parachute. He says, pray that God would take care of you today. Now, our prayers need to probably be a little bit different because most of us have got, if we had to, we got enough stuff in the refrigerator and the pantry, we could make it a little bit. Some of us discovered that this year when the grocery stores didn't have anything. We go and like, well, we're just going to make what we got. But even in that, you think about how how we really, like, like our family never had major need. Now, there are families that did. But for my family, for us, and for most of us in this room, it was a speed bump. And our prayers need to change to, instead of, Lord, provide, yes, we're dependent on you, Lord. I am thankful that you have given me everything I absolutely need today to be someone that glorifies your name and spreads your kingdom. We affirm our dependence on the physical nature of who we are. It's okay to pray that the Lord protects you from this virus. But I would add in the midst of that, Lord, protect me from this virus so that I can be someone that extends the kingdom and glorifies your name. And then he says this, and this is the one that gets a lot of discussion and is hard in some ways, but I think if we understand what he's saying, we'll, we'll grasp onto it a little bit. He says, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Here's the thing. In their day, they would have had two or three major needs in their lives. One was they would have had major need for food. When they have, when they have taken skeletons or found uh, people from this era, there's a good chance that about 95% of people in this era were malnutrition, malnourished. And so daily bread was a major, major deal. But then there's also this idea in here that they needed spiritually the forgiveness of their sins. Debts would have been a very real thing to them. They would have seen, they would have seen debtors prison and people being kept for life in prison because of their debts. And he says, Lord, forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. Forgive us our trespasses, our sins, those things in our lives that we have spiritually that we can't get rid of. them. And as you do, we will forgive those that have done the same to us. The best way for me to understand this is we pray, Lord, pray today that you would help me to receive, to give, and to rely on the grace that you have given me. Now, there are some people that say what Jesus is saying here is if you don't forgive somebody else over there, then God won't forgive you. Now, there is a a way, there's there's a nuanced understanding of that here, but we must understand at the most basic level, God does not determine how much grace we get about how much grace we give. And I am so glad that God does not extend to me the amount of grace that I extend to others. Amen. I mean, there are some days that I start out pretty good. Got my coffee in me, sunny, nice outside, a little breeze, 75 degrees. Like those days, I'm pretty good at giving grace. I've also determined that my ability to give grace deteriorates throughout the day. Can I get an amen in the house of the Lord? Right? Like that person that got on my nerves a little bit at 7.30, I can give a little grace to by 4 o'clock. The point here is, and the point throughout the New Testament is this, that when we understand, when we receive, when we understand the grace that God has given to us, we are going to be more than willing to give it to other people. 
And my prayer is, Lord, that as I'm thinking about how to glorify your name, as I'm thinking about how to extend your kingdom, one of the ways I can do that is to extend the grace that you have given to me to those that are around me. We live in a graceless society. We live in a society that is all about making you pay for what you've done or making you pay more than what you've done. We live in the gotcha society where people will literally, on whichever side you find yourself, on the political spectrum or any kind of issue, people will go back 15 years on social media to find one post that you put to make you say, now what did you mean by that? Okay? Now, first of all, that means that as Christians, we ought to be more careful about what we put on social media because we realize that it is a witness to the world. And there are people that have put things that they need to take account for. But my point is, there is very little room in our society right now for growth and change. And yet, as believers, because of what Christ has done for us, we ought to be the ones most willing to let people have growth and change and extend grace to them in the process. So we pray, Lord, as I'm extending your kingdom, as I'm glorifying your name, Lord, help me to make sure that I've got everything I need for today. Thank you for giving me all that I need. And Lord, help me to extend grace to those around me. And this is the last one. And do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now, I'm going to put this in a point in a way that's a little different, and then I'll explain it. And so when you get to the end of this, Lord, Lord, help me to have everything I need. Lord, help me to understand the grace you've given me, and let me extend that to others so that I can glorify your name and extend your kingdom. And then, Lord, help me make a difference in the fight. What I mean by that is that there is a spiritual war going on all around us. And what this last prayer is, Lord, guard me from myself. Because I'm going to find ways to mess this up. I'm going to walk into situations I shouldn't walk into. I'm going to find myself being tempted in ways I shouldn't be tempted. And when I find myself tempted, there's going to be a tendency in my heart that is separated from you through original sin. That is being sanctified and changed and molded into the person and the presence of Jesus Christ. That in that process of already not yet, I'm going to make decisions that are contrary to the will of God, and I'm going to give in to temptation. So, Lord, today, as I'm thinking about how can I glorify you, Lord, how can I extend your kingdom, Lord, help me not to mess it up myself. I think about Paul who said that he did not want to get to the end of the race and find out he had, what, been disqualified. We see numerous people that their witness is... Something happens, and as something happens in their lives, and they give in to sin, they give in to temptation, then their testimony is shot. And he says, Lord, as I'm thinking about glorifying your name, as I'm thinking about extending your kingdom, Lord, help me not to put myself in a place that I would be tempted. And Lord, when I get there, help deliver me from the evil one. Because I'm dependent on One of the things that I hope you see in this prayer is that it is all in the place of submission to the Lord's will and a realization that we can't do anything in this life without Him. Now here's the thing I want you to walk away with. You can write down all those things and you you may have and you may put them 
on your mirror in the bathroom and every day you get up and I'm going to pray these points or in your journal. My guess is the true reality is three days from now, many of you won't remember anything that was said. All right. But if you do, I want you to remember one thing. That when it comes to your prayer life, I didn't intend this to be a drive-by guilting about, hey, you're not praying enough. But when you think about prayer, when you think about being with God, I want you to remember that phrase I gave you earlier. Just pray what you got. And if you can't remember, what was it Lyle said? What was that third point? I can't remember exactly. Just pray what you got. Go to the Lord's Prayer. Maybe it'll spur it in you. If not, just pray what you got. Now, this prayer was intended to be a formula for us, but not formulaic. What I mean by that, it was intended for us to be used to us and go, hey, this reminds me of ways I can pray. It wasn't intended to be all that we pray, and we pray it over and over and over again. Okay? It was intended for us to say, hey, that's a God for us. And so if you just pray what you got and say, Lord, hallowed be your name. I don't really remember what that means. Whatever that means, Lord, make that happen. I don't know what the word hallowed means, Lord. So let me find a better way to say that. Just pray what you got. God's more concerned about the witness of being with you than he is about the words that you use. And my prayer is that as we begin to pray what we got, that the power of God that is running through our veins will begin to show itself for the glory of God and the extension of his kingdom. And that our church will be a part of that. Amen. Hey, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for just a simple way to think about prayer. And Lord, I know sometimes we try to complicate it. And there are, there are a lot of people, Lord, that, that spend their lives trying to get that perfect prayer life. Lord, and um, many times it's just simply you want us to pray what we got. To just do what we can in the midst of it. And so Lord, I pray for those of us in this room that we would just simply start doing that. Praying what we got. Doing what we can. Saying this thing, just to spend some time with you. And I pray, Lord, as our time with you begins to grow, then the work that we do for you would begin to grow and impact as well. Lord, I pray that we as a church would be people that would seek your glory, that would seek the extension of your kingdom. Lord, we give thanks to you that you have given us everything we need to do that. We thank you, Lord, for the grace that you have shown us and forgiving our sins, and pray, Lord, that you will help us to extend that grace to the people around us. And Lord, we pray that you'll make us strong in the fight. That you would prevent us from walking into situations we don't need to walk into. Lord, and when we do it anyways, that you would deliver us from the evil one for the sake of your name and for the spread of your kingdom. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.